Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. And I'm so happy that you're here today. Let's grab our Bibles. We're going to start today in the book of Esther, chapter 6. I want to talk today about the subject of inspiration and how, if you take time to create the right atmosphere, it releases you into these areas where you can receive inspiration that you need from the Lord. And it's very important to be inspired. Um, while there is, how can I say, there's a good purpose for discipline. There's a good purpose for uh, self-control and so forth. But my friends, when you are inspired, in other words, you, when you have something to live for, then it's not like you're being driven. It creates a form of self-motivation, praise God. And yes, of course, you will be disciplined. Yes, the fruit of self-control will be in your life so that you uh, stay focused and so forth. But my friends, I'm telling you what, the power of the Holy Spirit to bring inspiration to you concerning God's phenomenal plan for your life, that will get you out of bed in the morning and that will keep you active and busy all during the day. We're going to be talking about this. We're going to start in the book of Esther chapter 6, but let's pray first. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would illuminate these scriptures and give us divine insight on the subject of inspiration. Now, thank you, Father. Help us to create an atmosphere that is conducive for your spirit to move upon our minds. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name we pray. We all agree and say amen. Praise the Lord. Now, Esther chapter 6, verse 1, that night the king could not sleep. And, you know, uh, they didn't really have, uh, you know, these sleeping pills you can take today. I, I don't take them. I don't need them, <laughs> right? But uh, today there are so many uh, tonics and potions and lotions and all kinds of things you can do, uh, you know, ba basically the, the drug world, uh, uh, you know, and things along that line. But, you know, the king didn't really have access to that. So he's going to call for something that I'm sure a little bit of reading of this would put anybody to sleep. That night the king could not sleep, so one was commanded to bring the book of the records of the Chronicles, and they were read before the king. Well, nothing like reading stats and data and statistics in the middle of the night to make yourself drowsy. But this whole thing was inspired by the Lord. That's why the king can't sleep. Now, there could be times that you as uh, a king under the kingship of Christ, you may also have a sleepless night, and it's not because your body's not producing the melatonin. It's not because uh, you're not tired. It just could be that there's something that God wants you to catch, and he wants you to hang out a little bit with him uh, because inspiration is on the way. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, the doorkeepers who had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. Then the king said, what honor or dignity has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? And the king's servants who attended him said, nothing has been done for him. And the king basically says, well, we need to do something because this guy saved my life from these, uh, you know, two guys who are supposed to be my bodyguard. So, um... Let's do something to set him up real good. So there was the touch of God upon his mind. He could not sleep. Inspiration is basically the spirit of God in motion within the mind of a believer or the touch upon the mind of a person sometimes that may not even be saved or born again, uh, such as here we see the king of a pagan kingdom, his his thinking was touched, and he's just like, you know, I think I want to read something. I want to read this book. And he has a million things he could read, but that's what's brought to him. Now, inspiration can come from God, or it could come from an evil source. We're not talking on today the subject of evil inspiration, of course, but we're talking about these ideas, this uh, explosion of creativity, that uh, touch from the Spirit of God that uh, you catch something from the Lord. That's what we're wanting uh, to talk about today. Now, sometimes God will even give an inspired 
idea or even a desire to an unsaved person in order to accomplish God's overall purpose. And we see that, of course, here with King Ahasuerus. He has a desire. He has an inspiration to sit up in the middle of the night and read some uh, historical documents of recent history. And uh, he finds something that really is, uh, it's God. It's God working in this situation. So you could say God touched his mind and there was inspiration that flowed. And uh, of course, great deliverance for God's people was on the way. So God can move also, of course, within the mind of a believer. And when when the Holy Spirit moves upon the believer's mind, there is the potential for more, much more of God's power to be released because God's working with one of his own children. The believer can make use of these inspired ideas that God gives. And when a believer gets these uh, illuminations, praise God, well, then the believer is going to use it not to go out and build a bar, not to go out and establish a nightclub, not to go out and uh, do something bad. The believer is going to do, do it uh, because he, know, he or she knows this is going to further in the end result. It's going to be a furtherance of God's overall kingdom plan. And that's not going to happen with the inspiration that would come to a believer. Now, I was in a service. This was over 20 years ago. My, my wife and I were both in the meeting. And as Kelly and I were in the meeting, Kenneth Copeland was ministering. And towards the end of his message, the Holy Spirit began to move upon him with the spirit of prophecy. And we listened as Kenneth Copeland prophesied. And the Lord would be, of course, that's what the prophetic anointing is. The Lord is speaking through Kenneth Copeland. And this is what the Lord said through him. The Lord said, I tried to give the idea of a personal computer to a believer, but he wouldn't accept it. So I had to turn to an unsaved person in order to get it done. Now, there are times in the earth when the Lord wants certain technology, certain information released. Perhaps it's never been unveiled before. It could be the unveiling of some type of physical law that would be involved in the operation of the earth or perhaps space, the universe, and so forth. And although it has existed since God created the earth with all of the laws that govern the earth and universe, it could be that this is something that we have not yet known. And in order to make that known, God's going to have to give someone some inspiration so that they can bring it forth. So inspiration is extremely powerful. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Let's jump over there just for a moment. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says that all scripture is given, how? By inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. But Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Yes, the the books of the Bible are written by men, but those men were inspired by God. And there are religions that are out there that have their own, you know, book, but their books were inspired by evil spirits. And when you read the material, you're you're like, this is just a bunch of mumbo jumbo. Uh, A lot of this doesn't even make sense. I'm thinking in my mind right now, a certain book that uh, their religion leans heavily upon and uh, geographically and historically, what was written in the book concerning, you know, their supposed past, it's just total make-believe. And you think, how can anybody look at that with a rational, logical way of thinking and believe the lunacy of this? Well, uh, that's because of deceiving spirits and, you know, the lies and so forth that's, that's involved in all of that. But the Bible is inspired by God. Woo! Praise the Lord. Now, very similar, Second Peter chapter 1, Second Peter chapter 1. And verse 21, it says that prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved, moved, this word moved is very similar to inspired, as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. I like how the 
CEV, the contemporary English version, translates this by saying, the prophets did not think these things up on their own. <laughs> and there are some religious books, and you, you know, I'm not talking about the Bible, I'm talking from other uh, various forms of world religions, and you read, you read the material, and you're like, no, this didn't come from a God. This came from a man that uh, cooked all of this up, and maybe some men that got together and cooked it all up. And uh, you can tell it's, it's very earthbound material. But again, the prophets did not think these things up on their own. It came as the Spirit of God moved on them. And in essence, that's what's in, what inspiration is. It's the Spirit of God moving upon the intellect of man. It's moving up on your mind. Woo! Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, in this area of genius, some psychologists, they, they have discussed a, a very famous statement because there's a statement out there that genius is only 1% inspiration and then it's 99% perspiration. In other words, 99% work, but really a very small, minuscule amount of talent or that touch. They're not really sure how to identify that touch. That touch, though, really is the touch of inspiration. And so what they do, some, some psychologists have said, well, it's only 1% really of inspiration. And the rest is just 99. It's all the rest is 99%. You know, you got, you got a little inspired, but now you got to do all this work to work it out. And really what they're doing is they're, they're demeaning and belittling that touch, that gift or, uh, the magic or whatever they want to call it. We know it from a biblical perspective as inspiration, but here's what, where they're missing it. If you don't have that 1%, and I, I think it's actually more than 1%, but if you don't have the 1%, the 99% is now totally irrelevant. <laughs> you're, you're just back to normal. <laughs> so you can't say that 1% is so small and it's not really important. That 1% is, a, is what unlocked that mystery. That 1% is what revealed the solution that nobody else in history had ever figured out. So the 1% is extremely weighty. And I see many of you having very, uh, I would even call it sacred, sacred moments of inspiration where you see it, you understand it, God got it over to you. And then there's time for the perspiration. But um, don't ever dismiss the inspiration because you can have all the perspiration you want but without that 1%, we're, we're, not getting, we're not going anywhere. You're never going to get to the moon. You're never going to get to Mars. You're never going to be able to fly across the ocean. If somebody doesn't get an inspiration and begin to unlock some things, all this effort, you know, we're just still working with sticks and wood, okay? So thank God for the 1% of inspiration. Praise God. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Inspiration is the catalyst for ideas, it's the release of ingenuity. And along with these ideas and this ingenuity, there's solutions. And then there's uh, questions that are raised, but then also the answers are following right after. And this is all an outflow of uh, this incredible inspiration. You know, in 1662, Isaac Newton was sitting under an apple tree. And uh, historians don't really know if the apple fell on his head or if he just saw it fall. I think there is a reliable document that's supposed to be something that Newton wrote himself, where he says he was actually sitting under the tea, uh, excuse me, under the tree drinking tea, and he saw the apple fall. So I don't think it hit him on the head. But let me talk about Newton just for a moment, because out of all the scientists in the world. Albert Einstein said that the smartest man that has ever lived would be Isaac Newton. And Einstein, of course, knew that he was a genius. They, they said his IQ was anywhere from 180 to 200. But when you talk about Newton, you're talking about a man, really, the IQ, it went off the charts. Some of the highest IQs ever, me ever measured would be right around 260, and that's uh, uh, ultra, ultra rare. But uh, some people say that Newton's could have been over 300. Other, I've seen some other writings that said his IQ could have been over 400. So this was a man that 
unlocked the law of gravity. He also unlocked three other major laws that had existed because God created them, but nobody knew what they were. So he unlocked them. (laughs) And you know, the thing is, is that he was a phenomenal thinker. And when the apple fell, he, he just thought, well, why did it fall straight down? Is something pulling it down? How come it didn't fall and go sideways? How come it didn't fall halfway? And he began to think, well, if there is a force that's pulling it down, what is this force? And if it's pulling the apple down, how far does this force extend out? Does it extend past the apple tree? He, he was pretty sure it did. He's, he thought, well, does it extend out of England? Does it extend out of a continent? He was pretty sure it did. Even at that moment before he had ever even dove into, like, I'm going to really unravel this, even he said while he was still under the tree, he actually thought, it wouldn't surprise me if this force, whatever it is, even extends all the way to the moon. And, of course, he's right, because he found out what we know now know as the law of gravity. And so why does the moon orbit around the earth because it's in a gravitational pull and gravity is keeping the moon right there. And why do all of the planets go around the sun? Because gravity is uh, keeping them in those elliptical orbits and they're going around just like they are supposed to. Now, later, uh, over 150 years later, people began to wonder about Uranus because it acted strangely, you know, the planet that's way out there. And they thought uh, its orbit is not elliptical. Uh, oh, well, they found out, oh, there's another hidden planet that's, that we haven't been able to see. That's what's affecting its orbit. <laughs> it's, it's making it a little bit different. So it's got a, another gravitational pull that's pulling on it, as well as the sun doing its own pulling for it. That's why it behaves a little bit weird. But all in all, he began to unlock these things. But my friends, they, they were coming through inspired ideas. An apple falls and God touches his mind. And this is what they don't often tell you in science classes. That while Newton wrote some of the most amazing scientific uh, treatises, data and information of his, his discoveries, what they often don't tell you is that over half Some scholars have said up to two-thirds of all of his writings were theology. Woo! Get ready for that. Theology. And not only on the subject of theology, but his theology had a heavy emphasis on eschatology, end-time events. Well, I don't know. I really don't know what it's worth, but he did say, I'll just throw this one out there. This one, we're going to just go down a rabbit trail just for a moment. (laughs) Remember, this is a guy living back in the 1600s. He did say, well, according to what I can see in scripture and my study of God's word, it appears to me that Jesus will not come back uh, until at least, or probably right around the year 2060. Mm Hmm. Praise God. I, I can't help but think of one prophet uh, who passed away just a couple of years ago. But he saw, he saw the church going through various decades. He saw the 1980s. He said, this is what the church will go through in the 80s before we ever got to the 80s. And then he said, I can see the 90s and, and the uh, 2000 and the 2010, the 20s, the 30s, 40s. And he's been calling it right ever since. He, he called it all right in 1970. He saw it all the way up until 2060. <laughs> He said, by that time, the church will have caught the revelation of the sons of God, which are the mature believers in the earth, grown to maturity, and it's going to be a powerhouse uh, experience for the church in the earth. So who knows? Who knows? Only, Only the Father knows the hour when Jesus is coming back. Um, And at the same time, we can see things lining up that would tell us, hey, we're kind of getting in the last inning or at least pretty close to it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So whenever the Lord comes back, we need to be working. But Newton was a scientist who had the touch from God of inspiration. And I believe the reason that he had it to a much higher degree was because he loved God so much. Now, that touch also would be a little bit like the Apostle Paul. 
um, Paul had such revelation that God had to uh, allow some unique circumstances in his life in order to keep him humble, or else he could have got the arrogance and the, the uh, you know, the elated ego and all of that. So Paul had some things that uh, were uh, just surrounding his life or baked into his life that would uh, keep him humble. And Newton had the same thing. He had this phenomenal intellect. He deeply loved God, but he had a major problem with being able to handle criticism. He could he could hardly handle. He'd uh, he'd almost like fly apart. <laughs> you get in arguments and he get he gets so worked up and he gets so upset, and uh, so uh, he was um, he was uh, he didn't have a lot of strength in that area. So you know th- these things are very very fascinating. But a lot of that I think also the Lord allowed so that he would stay humble. And so that he can keep flowing in those revelations. But even today, some of the world's leading, most brilliant scientists today say there has never been anyone since like Isaac Newton. He was a man that was uh, that had that touch uh, of God, of that genius level, which you have to have the inspiration that he's, he's producing theories that work, but he's also producing stuff the world had never seen. So in order to solve some of his mathematical problems, he had to invent certain equipment that you can hold and that you can use. And he's, he's developing things people have never seen before. So fascinating. But my friends, it's that inspiration from God. And the closer you walk to the Lord, whether you're a minister or whether you're a scientist or whether you're a doctor or whether you're a school teacher, you can get hit with that inspiration and you can start doing things in a way that nobody has ever seen before. <laughs> and and you're, you're not the one trying to chase what others are doing. You're like a trendsetter. You're like a pace setter in your own way because sure, you want to be aware of how things are, uh, others do it because if they're figuring out something good, there's no need to reinvent the wheel. But uh, you, you could be doing some things where you're just, you're on a different frequency and uh, you're moving at a different, at a different speed. Praise God. And that's what that touch from the Lord can do. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. So my friends, I want to encourage you to camp out with the Lord and spend time with God, love the Lord, and let the inspiration of God touch your mind. Get over into that realm of inspiration. Allow the Holy Spirit to move you into realms of mental enlargement. Now, I want to say that again. Allow the Holy Spirit to move you over into realms of mental enlargement. Woo, praise God. He's, he's going to take you there. Let's go to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 55, and take a look at verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So here we have the thoughts of God and the ways of God, and they're so much higher than what the human experience is able to get us into. So we want to get on that God level frequency. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Praise the Lord. So it takes the movement of the Spirit of God in our minds to connect with this higher level of wisdom. Now, there are enemies of inspiration. You need to know what they are, and you need to do all that you can to resist them so that you can be in the right atmosphere for inspiration. But let me just give you a few of the enemies. I'm sure you're familiar with all of them. Number one would be worry. Worry, anxiety, and concerns. And uh, baked in with all of that also would be fear. But it's, it's primarily worry and anxiety and concerns. These weigh down your spirit. And what will happen is that the weight of these worries and concerns is going to begin to choke your spirit. And that bogs down your ability to be able to fly to be able to be free mentally because your mind's all over on, on these problems and you're troubled by it and you can't get over into this area of peace. 
So when that's happening, you can't get on that inspiration frequency of God. So be very careful with worry and concerns. Uh, Take some time and pray and cast those things over on the Lord so that the peace of God will just come into your heart and now everything is calm the way it needs to be. And then you can go back to work on your fun subjects, the things that are very important to your life, the things that are inspiring you. Praise God. All right. Now let's jump into the three things that create the right atmosphere for inspiration. The three things that create the right atmosphere for inspiration. And the first one is found in Psalm 131. Psalm 131, and we're going to look at verse 2. This is a very, uh, let's see, Psalm 131, verse 2, a very short psalm. Verse 2, surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. So there is the calming, the quieting of the soul. Quietness is essential to engage in supernatural inspiration. Mm -mm. Every living thing, if you think about it, every living thing needs the appropriate atmosphere in order to grow and to be healthy. If you have a plant, you can take that plant, but it's going to need uh, sunshine. It's going to need some water. Uh, you may want to put a little miracle grow in the soil, and uh, that way the you know it's got all the nutrients that it needs in the soil. So it has to have the right atmosphere. You know, I just got back from our, our little trip, and I went by the kennel uh, to pick up our doggie. And uh, they went back to the back to get my doggy. And so while I'm waiting for our dog to come out, uh, I looked over into a little side pen there at the front. And uh, it's like a little temporary holding place. Well, I looked in there and I saw two little creatures I had not ever seen there before. And it was the sweetest thing I've ever seen in my life. They were two little baby lambs that were only a few weeks old. And they were over in the corner and one was licking the other. One of the sweetest things I've ever seen. But see, it doesn't matter if it's plants or animals, little lambs, they need the right atmosphere to grow and to flourish in. So the little lambs are going to need uh, green grass and water and uh, good food and lots of love and stuff like that. My friends, your mind has to be in the right atmosphere to get into this place for inspiration. And quietness facilitates your mental development. I'll say it again. Quietness, it facilitates your mental development. Praise God. Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah 30, and we have verse 21. Your ears shall hear a word behind you, saying, this is the way, walk in it, Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. So here we have an example of sensitivity. And sensitivity is a product of quietness. And this is going to lead you to being able to hear the voice of God. And God, when he speaks, he speaks in that still, small voice. Now, he speaks primarily through the inner witness the Holy Spirit who lives in you, bearing witness with your spirit. But at times, he'll give you the extra at times. And there are the special moments he'll speak in the still, small voice. And you need a sensitivity to be able to pick that up. And you get that sensitivity out of quietness. It's the same way. Uh, You shall hear a word behind you or to the left or right. I've heard it many times over my shoulder. And that can be your angel. Now, if, if it's more of an inner voice is the Holy Spirit. If it appears to be external, like a voice, like somebody standing behind you, that can be your angel. Although sometimes it's the Holy Spirit also, uh, the word comforter or paraclete can also denote the one who stands on your right hand side. But oftentimes when it's behind you, that would be the angelic voice speaking to you. But to get this sensitivity, these things are birthed 
out of times of quietness. Praise the Lord. So you're going to need a great deal of quietness to get the most out of your mind. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes I'll go to a coffee house to get a latte or sit down and have a little time with my wife. And sometimes I'll see young people, they're studying and uh, they've got their, you know, school material and they're studying in a coffee house and the coffee house is playing music. And sometimes the music is kind of loud and, uh, uh, you know, a little bit upbeat and there's all this uh, activity going on and stuff like that. Now I could probably study in an environment like that if I'm if I need to study for something I don't really care about, and I'm, I'm just trying to pass a test, and I'm trying to cram it in there, I, I, I could probably get away with that. But if I'm trying to study something I really like, and I'm really into, I want, I need quietness. Why? Because if it's something I'm, I'm after, I, I, I love, then I want that to uh, not just be a passing by, you know, let me just get the surface of this. No, I want it like a stamped into my, my memory bank, praise God. And I want to absorb it into me. And I, I need quietness for that. One time, Bill Gates was at his house when, when he was living with his parents, when he was really starting to get into this computer thing. He was a very young man, still living at home. And uh, it was lunchtime. And uh, so his, his mother was calling for him, Bill, Bill, well, she knows, she knows he's in the house somewhere, but there's no answer. She keeps walking around, Bill, Bill, and there's no answer. She finally goes into the room, and there he's sitting in a chair at a desk, you know, just kind of like this. And she said, Bill, and he kind of pulls out of it. Uh, she, she said, I've been calling you. He said, well, can't you, can't you see I've been thinking? He said, I've been thinking. I was so, he was so into his thinking that he couldn't even really hear anything else. So you need that quietness to be able to get into that zone. Woo! Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, number two. The number two thing uh, that will create this atmosphere for inspiration, number one, of course, is quietness. But number two is that sometimes you just need to get away. Praise God. And what what I mean by that is you may just need to get out of your room or you may need to uh, celebrate the weekend and just put a few things in your car and go somewhere and check into a hotel somewhere. Uh, it doesn't have to be some kind of a big fancy deal. Just uh, go where you can get into a place where you're quiet and you can change the pace and you can slow things down and get calm. And maybe you can't do that at home. Maybe you have to be at home or wherever your office is or something like that predominantly, which of course makes sense. But you can, you can maybe escape for a day or two or something like that. Why? So that you can get into a place where you can get that freshness. So you can, you can just kind of break out of that rhythm and give your mind that little extra spark that it needs by just uh, taking a little getaway break. Praise the Lord. And this is what the Lord did for Elijah the prophet by sending Elijah on vacation. We see this in 1 Kings chapter 19. And he needed a vacation. Chapter 19, verse 7. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. So he gets out of town, has a long journey, and he goes to the mountain of God, and he checks into the uh, mountain of God, uh, mountain of God Horeb Hotel. Praise the Lord. And there he went into a cave. Their accommodations were not quite five star. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. Sometimes you need to change location and take a little break, get, a, get away. That way, just like Elijah, after this experience, now he's able to come back after that with the word of the Lord, with a new perspective, and he's recharged, and he's re-energized and ready to go. And that can really help spark the ingenuity, praise God. The, the inspiration that you need comes through those types of getaway moments. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, the third thing that we need to do to create this atmosphere for inspiration is to establish friendships with Christians 
who are walking in the wise ways of God. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs 13, verse 20, and it says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Well, the companion of fools, you you don't want to hang around with a fool because there is some form of destruction. It could be a marriage destruction because your foolish friend maybe is not married like you are, or maybe he or she is, and they want to go out after work and go to the bar. And they want you to come along with them. And before you know it, uh, things are going downhill and something has been destroyed. The companion of fools will be destroyed. So let's focus on the first part. He who walks with wise men will be wise. Having wise friends enhances your mental development. Praise God. And here's what's good about this. These friends don't necessarily have to be there physically. In other words, it's not like you have to have, uh, you know, Solomon's advisor standing around you. But you can make friends through their materials, such as their books or their audio or video messages. When I wake up in the morning and I get going, maybe uh, maybe it takes me 10 minutes to get kind of get going and get a coffee. But the moment I'm, I'm kind of just starting to roll, I'm starting the teaching. I want to listen to a teaching. I don't want my mind just kind of floating, you know, nothing going on. No, I want I want some teaching, a good solid teaching of God's word coming in first, just like oh, I'm going to want some physical food to be coming in so my body has strength. I also want my spirit to be strong and I want my mind to have something to chew on. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So here's an amazing statement that Jim Ron, R-O-H-N, said some time back. He said, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Now, the context of this is really uh, the five people that you spend the most time with, maybe per se, it's not those that you work with because you have to be around them. But the five really, in a sense, that are speaking the most into your life. So who are the top five voices speaking to you? He says that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with or the five that are most often speaking into your life. That's what you're going to become an average of. Mm-mm. Now, this is, this is incredible. There's a heart, there's a institution that studies the human heart. And, you know, here in North America, there's a lot of heart problems because of all the greasy uh, fat foods that clog up people's arteries. So the Framington Heart Study, uh, they study these conditions so that cures can be developed and the best science can be applied. Well, they've had the largest and longest-running health study ever uh, in this area of studying the human heart. They actually started in 1948, and they're still going strong today. And this is fascinating. Uh, I want to share something that uh, two people that were in this group of the Framington Heart Study, what they discovered. They said, according to the studies and the information that they had gathered, that if a friend of yours becomes obese, you yourself are 45% more likely to gain weight over the next two to four years. Again, they said, if a friend of yours becomes obese, you yourself are 45% more likely to gain weight over the next two to four years. The uh, Framington study found that if a friend of your friend becomes obese, your likelihood of gaining weight increases by about 20%, even if you don't know that friend of a friend. This is incredible. I want to read that one more time. The study found that if a friend of your friend becomes obese, your likelihood of gaining weight increases by about 20%, even if you don't know that friend of a friend. So this study continues further out, branching out into other areas. They discovered that if your friend smokes, you are 61% more likely to become a smoker yourself. They found something amazing, that if you have friends who are happy, then you are going to become a happy person. 
So, in many ways, your friends are your future. Inspiration comes when you rub your mind against great minds through, uh, for example, through reading or through listening to a podcast or teachings or video teachings and etc. What's happening, even if you don't meet that person, when you read their material or you keep listening to those teachings, your mind is rubbing up against their mind. Now, look at this. He who walks with wise men will be wise. If you walk with stupid people, you're going to be stupid. And I'll tell you right now, I could never serve a stupid God. I couldn't serve a God who would say that the earth is flat. And then we get into a spaceship later. We fly out in the space and look back, uh, look back and we see a big blue marble. <laughs> and we'd be like, oh, uh, it's not flat. Uh, it's round. Well, I, I couldn't serve a God who was wrong. I couldn't serve a God who uh, it would be foolish. Oh, praise God that we serve the all-wise God. Some of you need to reevaluate friendships from the perspective of wisdom or foolishness. And if you have friends that just want to stay in that foolish mode, uh, you, need, you need to move back from that because there is some form uh, of destruction that's going to be associated eventually with that. And you need to have wise friends who love God, who fear the Lord, and are into the things of God. Praise God. You know, every week, uh, Dr. Cho, who pastored the world's largest church, uh, Yoido Full, Full Gospel Church there in Seoul, Korea, 800,000 members, every week his wife would bring him a new stack of books, and she'd take them and set them by his bed. And uh, she would just say, these are, these are some books that I think would be a blessing to you. And uh, he would take them and read them. He, he would read all of them every single week. He was a man of prayer, but he was also a very well-read man. And by the way, my wife does that. I'll come home sometime and I'll see a new book uh, laying on my, my office table at home. I have an office here at the ministry. I have an office also at the house. There'll be a new book laying there. And I'll say, what's this? Oh, another book I got in the mail. She said, I, this is what she would say. Well, I thought you would like it. And so she would grab something for me that she would see in a Christian catalog. And she would think Stephen would like that. And she gets it for me. And you know what? I read it. And uh, I've got so many, I still have a few I haven't even gotten to yet, but I will. <laughs> because all of them look uh, delicious. They all look good. And so this opens up your mind to areas of expansion where God now has a greater and easier ability to work with you in the area of inspiration. And this is something as God's people that we need to really, uh, we, we need to be aware of this because you can be an unsaved person and you can work biblical principles and they will produce for you because you're working the principle. Now, the end result is that we all want to make heaven. So that's the most important thing anybody could do is get their life right with God. But uh, these, these types of things work, and others have applied it too. The motivational speaker, Tony Robbins, a lot of people, you know, look at him and say, well, he's tall, he's, he's six foot seven, and he's handsome, so he's just a good talker. That's why people like him, and he's, he's like a, a self-coach, and, you know, but there, it's just a bunch of uh, hot air talk. But it's, it's not really. He said, uh, uh, you know, the thing with him, for example, is that you have to understand when he graduated from high school uh, at the age of 18, when he graduated, he had already read over 700 books, most of those books on self-improvement. So you can't, as a teenager, put that vast amount of material into your mind and think, well, no, nothing's going to happen. No, it allowed a mental enlargement to take place with him to where uh, he may not be a Christian. Uh, a lot of these guys, they say they're Christian, but really when it, uh, when it comes to Jesus Christ being the only way to heaven, that's when they start backtracking. So I'm not, I, I don't really know where he stands on that, but I do know that he has developed his mind in a very unique way. By the time he was 20, he had, excuse me, by the time he was 19, he had already read over 1,000 books on physiology, psychology, self-improvement, trying to understand life because his background 
is that he had never had a father. And so in many ways, his life was just one violent continuation of his mom marrying another guy. And he's trying to live through all of that and all of the garbage going on at the house. So he's looking for solutions in life and he's engulfing material. And that's why you can develop your mind uh, to a great degree, even if you don't know the Lord, and you can have that external touch of inspiration. But the highest ones, uh, that highest touch is reserved for God's people. That's why, again, Isaac Newton was so far out there because he had the 1% inspiration, but he, he also loved God. So God's like, I can keep dropping <laughs> these inspirations on him. <laughs> can you believe that guy created calculus? He needed to solve a mathematical problem. There was no mathematical, uh, there, there was no le math levels that high to solve it. So he just created it out of the blue. Where, how do you pull calculus just out of nowhere? You know, you have college students working on uh, degrees, even majoring in math, and they have to plod through it like it's torture. And he just, he just pulls it out of the blue and creates the whole thing. It's is off the charts. But where does that, where does that inspiration to do stuff like that come from? It, it comes from God. Hallelujah. And God gives the best and the most to his people so that he will receive all of the glory. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Right now, I believe uh, there's an anointing for God to touch your mind. Many of you have been prepping your minds and you've been uh, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and you're, you're beginning to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you can. And you're actually starting to believe it. Praise God. And God, God wants to release you into these new realms of inspiration. Just right now, lift your hands. Father, I pray for those who are watching. There are many that are watching. They maybe uh, were not born into a life where they were afforded uh, access into knowledge or higher levels of learning or education. But Father, you have had your hand upon them, and uh, you've got them right where they're supposed to be. And you're going to take them and work with them right where they're at. And I thank you, Father, that you have given them the mind of Christ. And that means their mind is anointed. Now, Father, I pray for the spark of inspiration to zap them now in the name of Jesus that an idea, an insight, the, the ability to think outside of the box would begin to function in their minds. I thank you, Father God, as they apply uh, quietness as they apply sometimes needing to get away, as they also apply walking with wise company. I thank you, Father God, they cannot be contained and constricted to a life of frustration any longer. I thank you, Father God, they're going up. They're going up. They cannot be held back. I thank you that you will give them a solution to every challenge they face. Now, Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. We give you all of the praise. Thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good. And there's a real, uh, I would call it an anointing of color. There's a lot of creativity uh, flowing right now. Praise the Lord. And the Lord is working on your mind. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you're watching today's program and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, every blessing of the kingdom is initiated through the salvation experience. So receive eternal life right now. Call upon the name of the Lord and Jesus will save you right now. Pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, but you died to save sinners like me. Jesus, I turn from my sin. Come into my heart right now. Wash all of my sin away. Cleanse me with your precious blood and write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray, amen and amen. He has heard that prayer. Those of you that have prayed that, welcome to the kingdom of God. I would like to hear from you that you have given your heart to the Lord. Those of you that just prayed that for the first time, please email me at contact at stephenbrooks.org. Praise God. Mm -mm. Inspiration is flowing today. Let's take Holy Communion together. I want to encourage you, grab some unleavened bread, grab some grape juice, praise God, and let's take communion. Heavenly Father, we pray over the bread and the juice. We bless it 
And through this prayer, we set it apart. That is, we consecrate it as being holy. And we thank you that this is now the blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus veiled through what would appear to be bread and juice. We thank you, Father, we're receiving the body and the blood. So, Father, we thank you for inspiration. We thank you for the body of the Lord Jesus, for his word. We thank you for the privilege of even being able to thank your thoughts and know your ways. Thank you, Father God. Let us walk in your kingdom light. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the Lord's body. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm just getting in my spirit. There's a couple of people that uh, your best friend doesn't want to go on. And I'm I'm sensing for some of you, your best friend is uh, either not a Christian or a very nominal Christian. But yet you're hearing teachings like this and you're wanting to step into the fullness of what God has for you. Yet uh, you're not walking with wise uh, wise person. You're walking with somebody that's just um, playing around with life. And I, I, I hear that you need to go on and you're concerned about that person. And the Lord says, I'll give, I'll give that person a replacement. They're going to want a, another replacement, not like you. They're going to re- want another replacement, just like them. Somebody that is not pursuing somebody that just wants to uh, cruise through life, but you must run with the Lord and go on with the Lord because you know too much to walk that slow. You know too much to act like you're not aware of the things that you now see. Praise God. Hallelujah. So the Lord will help dissolve that as you just keep moving towards him. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for cleansing and forgiveness of all sins. We give you praise today. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, let us receive the Lord's precious blood. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands to the Lord for a moment and thank the Lord. Lord, we give you praise. Hallelujah. Glory. 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 It's very important for your mind to be quiet. Yes, you need quietness, but it is possible to be in a room all by yourself sitting still and your mind is still just like going 100 miles an hour. You have to get your mind also into that place of peace. That's why prayer is so important, devotional time with God. And it's out of that stillness, calmness, and quietness. That's where the spark of inspiration can touch you. And it could literally happen while you're sitting under an apple tree, drinking some hot tea, and an apple falls down, and God causes you to think, now, why did that happen like that? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I see the expansion taking place, and I see you thinking God type of thoughts, even God's thoughts. Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. You know, we are the sons of God. We are the children of God. Shouldn't we thank the thoughts of our Father? Hallelujah. Well, the Lord's working with us in these areas. Continue to allow the Holy Spirit to work with the enlargement of your mind. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time.